0: As part of the Marriage Matters focus, uh, there were some packets that, that people could take, and, and they're still available, and you can still do this, is we challenged couples uh, to do eight date nights together. And, uh, and then we had a box that it, for couples that, that did at least four, they could enter a drawing to win a Weekend to Remember by Family Life Ministry to go, to go away for a weekend. And, and so here are our winners and um, we're excited to say that Ben and Lauren Dillard and Craig and Wendy Anson uh, won. So, uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, one, couple, one couple is going to Reston to the Family Life uh, getaway um, in May, and then another couple is going to the Bahamas. And so, uh, uh, not really, they're, they're going to Tampa in September to, to, to take advantage of that. So we're excited about that. And then uh, for the couples that didn't win, they did win because uh, they won because they spent some quality time together, obviously, but they also won. We, we gave them a book, When Sinners Say I Do, and it's a great book. I recommend it highly. It's by Dave Harvey, and uh, for couples that are um, preparing for marriage, that couples have been married for 50 years, whatever, and in between, it's a tremendous book, and we're actually teaching a, a Learning Center class. Right now, it's going on um, uh, This this at, during this session, so... Uh, We want to uh, just talk to you about marriages marked by mercy. And uh, from that book, uh, Dave Harvey's book, he has a chapter entitled um, Mercy Triumphs Over Judgment. Mercy is a beautiful thing. Mercy, the mercy of God, it is a radical thing. And, And we can even take a look at what Jesus has to say about it in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. You can follow along as I read. Jesus said, But I say to you who hear, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. And then here, verse 36, be merciful just as your father is merciful. And you read that and you go, that's how we're supposed to treat our enemies. And if Jesus is calling us to do that, how much more would he be calling us to love and show mercy to our spouses, to those who we are closest to? And it's a radical thing. But what's great about God, a lot of men, everything, um, but when he tells us to do something, to be merciful, he supplies the grace that we need to do that. He doesn't leave us on our own, but he gives us the supernatural power Uh, to do that. Ephesians 1 says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is given toward, is is toward believers uh, to live in such a radical way. Well, God's mercy really is, he's not giving to us what we deserve. Psalm 103 verse 10 really um, says that, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. It's a wonderful thing to be on the receiving end of mercy. And it's a wonderful thing to give it. And so mercy includes love and sympathy, compassion, kindness, tenderness, and sensitivity. Just a boatload of wonderful qualities about mercy. The key idea here this morning, I hope you're encouraged by, is that mercy sweetens marriage when it is given. Follow along as I read this quote from Dave Harvey uh, from his book, When Sinners Say I Do. He says, Mercy sweetens marriage. Where it is absent, two people flog one another over everything from failure to fix the faucet to phone bills. But when mercy, but where it is present, marriage grows sweeter and more delightful, even in the face of challenges, setbacks, the persistent effects of our remaining sin, mercy doesn't change the need to speak truth. It transforms our motivation from a desire to win battles to, be, to a desire to represent Christ. It takes me out of the center and puts Christ at the center. It sweetens all it touches because it, becomes, it comes from heaven, from the very throne of the merciful Savior. Mercy is a blessing to those who receive and to those who give. So we're going to be answering questions um, this morning. Um, and, and I just want to encourage you as, as you listen, please listen with, with the understanding that we really are, are four broken couples. We are, we're, all in a, we're all in a war uh, we battle against the world that's trying to conform it, us to its image. We, we all battle against the evil forces of darkness, and we battle against our remaining sin, our flesh. And uh, we are just wanting to say, you know, these are some things that God has taught us. Uh, and, and, and if there's anything to emulate or any advice to, to take, it, it is because of the Holy Spirit is because of his work. And, and I, I love Psalm 16 too, and this just says it right here. David said, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. And that is, that's, that's where we come from as we want to share uh, with you this morning. So we, we pray that you would be encouraged. And so we want to just take a minute and introduce couples. And so we're going to start over here with this uh, gentleman here.
1: Good morning, I'm Ken Spence. Uh, this is my wife, Rosemary. We've been married uh, 50 years as of September of last year. We have two sons, uh, we have five grandchildren. We uh, have been involved in Fellowship Bible Church since about 1991 uh, in community groups uh, since 1993. Uh, did a stint as a deacon for a while, but most recently we've worked in the biblical counseling ministry. And that's uh, what we're active at today, primarily. Uh, and John, when we first got together uh, for a sort of rehearsal, uh, said that uh, as part of our description of ourselves, that uh, say something uh, that was interesting in your marriage. So the interesting thing uh, we came up with was we were in the newlywed game back in uh, 1968. And uh, uh, we lost. Uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't win. Um, but, but
2: we, did. we won a year's supply of ricearoni, the San Francisco treat, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and you know that came in pretty handy because I immediately went into pilot training, and uh, everybody, uh, all those almost pilots, uh, they really enjoyed that rice ricearoni, <laughs> and uh, you know I don't know what uh, what happened to the other two couples that we competed against, uh, but uh, since we celebrated our fiftieth anniversary, I think that makes us a winner. What do you think? <laughs>
3: Good morning, uh, we are and Elizabeth Gwynn, um, we've been married now for 14 years, um, we have four kids, ages 12, 11, 8, and 6, right, okay, I have to check because it changes, so, mm. <laughs> um, Elizabeth and I met uh, in my small hometown of, of Selmer, Tennessee, if you know where it is, see me after, I'd love to shake your hand. But uh, I was there for two weeks to help my uncle um, in his hardware store, his health wasn't well. I took enough clothes for one week, I was gonna wear them, wash them, wear them again, and go home. And then I met Elizabeth and I stayed. And uh, not long after, just a, uh, six to eight months later, we were married. And so uh, nine, oh sorry, uh, see, I, numbers, uh, not my thing. But uh, yeah, we've been married 14 years now, it's been, it's been fun.
0: Great. My name is John Avery, and this is my wife Susan. Uh, we've been married for 32 years, and we have five children and six grandchildren and one on the way, and' uh, we're very thankful. Um, I guess uh, what's really incredibly interesting um, to us is that um, her family are they're Ohio state fans, and I'm a University of Michigan fan. So you can pray for me.) <laughs>
4: Um, I'm Barry Pearson, and uh, this is my bride, Suzanne, and um, we are celebrating, later this summer, we're celebrating our 25th year of marriage, and um, we've been at FBC since 95. We are um, the proud parents of two wonderful children and two others as well. (laughs) Um, No, I'm just kidding, we have four great kids, super proud of all four of them. Um, yeah, and they range in age from uh, 23, well, the 23, he's up there, but 23, 20, 17, and 13. So we have survived two teenagers. We're in the midst of the other two, so prayers are appreciated as well. Um, but an interesting thing about Suzanne and I is we both grew up in Charlottesville, Virginia, home of the University of Virginia, home of the men's basketball champions. Anybody, (laughs) national champion? Okay, good, good. Um, But Suzanne and I went to the same preschool together. And then she disappeared from my life for elementary school, it was hard. But we came back together in middle school. We got to be good friends in middle school, um, great friends in high school. And then we both went to JMU together where we became best friends. And uh, then moved up here to Winchester
0: after that. So super glad to be here. That's great, thanks you guys. Uh, we, uh, we asked, uh, we we've had, we had a, a couple questions submitted, um, and we're going to be addressing those um, and uh, sharing some others. So our first question here is, what are some practical ways you express kindness in your relationship, particularly in difficult situations? And so we're going to kind of answer the first part of that, and Elizabeth is going to do that.
5: So one really simple way that Wes shows kindness to me is um, bringing me coffee every morning that he is there and I'm up. (laughs) Um, And then weekends, usually he offers to make breakfast. So that's just a simple way that he shows kindness.
0: That's great. Rosemary?
5: Well, one of the things that uh,
2: happened to us is that Kenneth retired. And as you know, wives don't typically retire. But what he did was he offered to take over some of my responsibilities so I could experience a little bit of that. He makes the bed every day, unloads the dishwasher, he folds clothes. He took over all of the checking and uh, financial things. So that has really been a, a great little gift to me that he provided a kindness. Thank you.
6: Um, A kindness that John shows me uh, is that he is a really good listener. Um, I'm a person of many words, and I'm also an external processor. So if I need to think through something and, and work it through, I have to talk. And he is wonderful at listening to me and not jumping all over what I say and trying to redirect me or... You know, counsel me, but he just listens, and he encourages and supports me.
0: So we're going to close in prayer with that. <laughs> um, the, the other um, part of that question, in, in difficult situations, and someone had asked, what about an unequally yoked um, marriage? And so Wes and Elizabeth are going to share about that.
3: So um, I was raised in a Christian home. My dad's a pastor. Uh, and I was saved as a teenager, and um, I, there was no growth afterwards um, I, I have no doubt whatsoever that my eternal salvation was settled but and, and because I grew up in a pastor's home in a Christian environment I knew the answers I knew the right words to say at the right time to the right people with the right facial expression and it was all a show um, and I, I got away with it for a very long time fooled a lot of people Uh, In fact, to a certain extent, I think I even fooled myself. When I met Elizabeth um, and we got married, we we were married um, with the understanding that we were both Christians, we were both walking with God, we were both growing, becoming more like Christ, when in reality she was, but I wasn't. I was just a shell. Um, Elizabeth's favorite Disney movie is Beauty and the Beast, and I always liked that analogy. I think it fits our relationship well. Unfortunately, though, instead of being the cool, big, muscular, in-control beast, I was more like Gollum in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Spiritually, I was, I was weak, I was shriveled, I was selfish, and I was creating a gap in life that she was having to fill in our relationship and with our children as we were trying to raise them with Christian values and leading them um, down the right path. I wasn't fulfilling my role as the leader, as the husband in the relationship, and she was having to do that. And there were times that I think she was, many, many times she got to a breaking point. Many times I gave her opportunity really to leave me. She could have, she would have been well within her rights. But just like John was talking about that that mercy, she showed mercy. And it wasn't because of something she felt like doing, it was because she knew that it was the right thing to do. Um, this went on for 10 years. And I think at the end of those 10 years, God brought me to my breaking point. He woke me up and he put me on my face and I, I, he broke me. And because of the love that Elizabeth showed me throughout that entire time, I knew how then I should love her because I'd had an example for 10 years and so now we have this beautiful relationship that I don't think that we would have had otherwise. you have something to add? Sure.
5: Um, I think just for other people who might be there um, it can feel like a long time and it can feel like things might never change but something that was just a simple thing that kind of helped me to picture in my mind in those hard weak moments where I maybe didn't feel like picking up the wet towel off the bed or you know just showing kindness when I knew I should was to picture whatever that thing was that I knew I should be doing um, to love Wes, instead to picture that as lifting that up as a gift to God, um, as a way to show my love for him because that's what he does for us.
0: That's great. Thank you. Barry, you were going to say a few words about that too.
4: Yeah, um, this was a great question asked. um, And and I think a key part of it is that, that idea of being unequally yoked um, the truth of the matter is the Bible says do not be unequally yoked the encouragement there is don't do it So just to take a moment to talk to um, the young folks who are thinking about marriage or thinking about dating to hopefully lead to marriage or the singles out there um, the Bible is clear in instruction to not be unequally yoked um, marriage is hard and um, I, you know, I love the imagery that the Bible uses of a cord of three strands is not easily broken, but that requires the husband and wife and, and and God woven together. And if you don't have God in there, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in both people's lives, it's super tough. So the encouragement from the Bible is don't be unequally yoked. So um, for Suzanne and I, at our time at JMU, we had a speaker um, say one time, as you're growing and looking at dating and relationships, this imagery just stuck with me um, ever since I heard it, but the idea is to run to the cross, grow in your relationship with Christ, and run to the cross, and as you're doing that, look and see to your left and right, maybe who's coming with you. And that's a person that's gonna be equally yoked. And um, we were blessed, Suzanne and I were blessed that we were both running to the cross at the same time. She was running right there beside me. And um, so it's a real encouragement to, to have that the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit working in your marriage as a part of it. It's the three of you together. It's not just the two of you. Um, so unequally yoked. I mean, life happens. The world is a mess. And, and maybe you're in a situation where you are married and you're unequally yoked. My encouragement to you and what all of these couples would encourage you is, is to persevere. Keep praying for your spouse. Um, prayer is powerful and effective. And and a lot of times the Bible uses that word perseverance. Some translations will use the phrase long suffering. And it may be a long time. It may feel like suffering at times, but you're never alone. Christ is there with you. And and God's timing is not our timing. But he does have a plan, and he wants to uphold marriage. He wants us to uphold marriage, and, and I believe God will honor that. So so our encouragement is to keep praying for that spouse, keep praying for, for God to make that change, and you'll see how you, you become equals in your growth in Christ and have those um, accord of three strands together. That's
0: great. Thank you. Question number two here is how do you help each other grow in the Lord and hold each other accountable in areas like internet usage or spending time in the word and in prayer. And um, uh, Ken, you were going to say something about that.
1: Certainly. I think I mentioned that uh, we started doing the community group thing back in 1993. I think you said 27 years. I did redid the math. I think it was only 26 years. But um, uh, you do that as a team. Uh, You can't do it by yourself. You know, when we, uh, we meet every week, uh, one time during the month, we have what we call a fellowship where we uh, have a potluck night and everybody brings something to eat. Uh, we have prayer at, at every one of our meetings. But I think one of the things that uh, Rosemary, in order for that t- to be successful at that for all of those years, you know, there were two things we needed. We needed to be hospitable, uh, which Rosemary is extremely good at, and we had to be committed. Uh, There were times uh, when I was, I would get home at at, uh, 5.30 and uh, our meeting started at 7. We got so that we could set up the room for our 15 to 20 people in about 17 minutes by moving chairs around and things like that. Sometimes we had to put leaves in the table and things like that. But we did that as a team and I think uh, that caused us to grow and uh, something else we did uh, as part of that is uh, Mark Carey would, uh, whatever he preached on that Sunday, and we met Wednesdays, we would make up some questions, usually four or five questions, how to apply that message that he gave practically speaking to each of our lives. And we'd get our heads together. Sometimes Rosemary would come up with most of the questions, sometimes I would, and sometimes we would come up with them together. But that was uh, that was a growing process for us, and uh, we we enjoyed it, uh, and and we enjoyed the community group. You know, we get as much out of that community group as as, as we put into it, and uh, that's how we grew. That's great, Suzanne.
7: Uh, yeah, I think for Barry and I, in terms of um, just fostering our own growth and walk with the Lord, we've we've tried a lot of different things um, over the years as far as uh, doing kind of couples devotionals together, um, praying together, and family devotions and things like that. And those are all great, kind of practical ways um, to do that. Um, but one thing that has been really probably the most effective and, and consistent over time for us is just finding uh, an area to serve together. Um, we work with the senior high youth group here at FPC. We've been doing that a little over 20 years. It's our 21st year. Um, so uh, we, we like to say that at any given time, we're raising about 100 teenagers. Um, so if that doesn't drive you to your knees, nothing will. Um, uh, but in all seriousness, I think it just over time when we see our times of kind of preparing our lessons we will prepare our small group lessons together um if barry is teaching downstairs or if i'm speaking at an event we like to do that prep together even if just one of us is speaking um and those times at the at the dining room table just kind of getting into the word and preparing a lesson together have been some really of our sweetest times of um of growth together um and just kind of bouncing ideas off of each other, and, and really learning new things um, from the Word together. Um, and and the other part of that that we've kind of discovered is as we've been working with youth for so long, is um, we see that that kids are watching us. Um, they're they're watching our interactions. They're watching um, the way we conduct ourselves. Um, and that is just that's kind of sobering. That's an extra level of accountability for us um, because we know that um, we want them to see Christ in us. We want them to see um, a, a godly marriage. And in order for that to happen, we have to stay connected um, to the Lord. We have to be consistently in his word and praying together. Um, and so that's my encouragement. Um just to find some area to serve together. Um, Not necessarily in youth, although we would love to have you. There are always positions open. Um, But just whatever it might be, serving your neighbors or or working at a rescue mission or just anything that you together as a couple can do um, to serve gives you that opportunity to grow and also to have kind of an outside accountability of of people watching.
0: That's great, thanks. Barry, you were gonna talk a little bit about um, internet accountability or uh, cell phone accountability.
4: Yeah, um, a, a good part of that question is talking about the kind of accountability aspect, and um, you know, technology has changed drastically in the last ten, fifteen years. Uh, certainly, in, in our marriage, we've seen just in twenty-five years, it's it's a whole new world of technology. Everybody has instant access to any information they want at all times. Um, so it's important to have that accountability for for us in, in our household and in our marriage. Um, I've always focused on that description that God gives, that it's the two becoming one. The two become one flesh. And um, practically speaking, what does that mean for for us? My thumbprint opens Suzanne's phone. And Suzanne's thumbprint will open my phone. Um, We don't have anything that's mine. I don't have my laptop and her laptop. Everything is ours. And so we have that accountability. And because we are two that have become one, um, I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt Suzanne and I know the things that the sites that I visit or the things I'm looking at will hurt her because we are one and same thing for her she doesn't want to do anything to hurt me so it's it's just kind of having that openness that idea that everything is ours the, the four kids are ours the household is ours what we do with our time is ours it's not mine it's not yours um, and the two shall become one brings that accountability
0: that's great thank you Rosemary
2: yes and I think some of that oneness was lost on me sometimes uh, especially over the years when I didn't feel or believe that Ken was being trustworthy that that fear drove me to examine his life and what he was doing way too closely and I found myself um, going through his phone and internet and reading in papers and and I thought that if I could find out information early enough i could control the outcome and what i found out is that kind of thing was controlling me instead and focused only on the problems or the perceived problems and as it got worse and worse for me i i had as if god spoke to me and said you know rosemary i didn't call you to be ken's detective I called you to be his wife, and I've given you a very, very special gift. You are his helper by my design. Only you have that special role. There is a way for you to encourage him and to help him, but this is not the way. He has a wonderful Holy Spirit to do that. I want you to love him, and I want you to trust me in that." And so with that, I decided to trust the Lord, and I then asked him, I said, Lord, I'm going to trust you to let me know anything that I need to know and that I need to respond to. And with that, for the most part, almost all of the time after that, the fear left. And allowed me then to focus on what god had uniquely called me to to be ken's help me
0: thank you rosemary we're going to move to our third question here it says when there's conflict how does the gospel help you to respond with mercy when you feel the pressure to retreat lash out in anger or be isolated from each other ken
1: Well, since uh, Rosemary had been married uh, 50 years, we've had uh, plenty of opportunity to practice conflict. Um, uh, Two things that we've learned about ourselves during that period of time is is that conflict is usually uh, accompanied by anger, and anger short-circuits communication. In other words, when emotions are high, uh, we don't hear the other person talk uh, when my emotions are high. I don't hear Rosemary. What I don't hear what she says I hear her talk. I just don't hear what she says same thing uh, She doesn't hear me if she her emotions are high and she's angry uh, The prescription uh, for anger is forgiveness if you can't do that either giving forgiveness or accepting uh, pr- forgiveness yourself if you can't do that it's better to put this Conflict on a back burner and revisit it maybe a little bit later the second thing is it took me years to realize that even though Rosemary and I have similar personality types, you know, we've taken personality tests and we come uh, basically in the same general categories, um, but we don't always see things in the same way. Uh, Rosemary is much more sensitive than I am. Uh, She was a drama major in college and I was a, a hard science major. Example of this is that um, uh, when Rosemary, most of you know what the movie Bambi is all about—about about the two deer and baby bear and the baby deer and her mother, or his mother—and uh, when Rosemary watched that movie, because uh, Bambi's mother got killed doing it, she couldn't sleep. Uh, now, um, when I watched the Star Wars Death Star uh, blow up a planet with all of its inhabitants. Uh, I could still sleep like a baby that's that, that's a that's a big difference um, so uh, she gets her feelings hurt easily and, and, and I don't so uh, I, I'd like to visit uh, first Peter 3 7 where it says you know live with your wife in a considerate manner and treat her as a weaker vessel uh, it, it doesn't come naturally to me and it, it probably doesn't come naturally to you, you either it takes it takes commitment and it takes intention. You have to think about it, but mainly you have to look at the emotional makeup of your partner, both men and women, and uh, extend them mercy and forgiveness when it's necessary. Go ahead, Rosemary.
2: And because the question talks about how the gospel helps us in times like this, the gospel has has taught me the Bible has taught me that the gospel is for the entire Christian life, not just for when we become believers and, and are born again. And embedded in that gospel is the forgiveness of Christ. So when I need to forgive Ken, the power to forgive him uh, is the power that Jesus expressed uh, in uh, when He forgave me, and. Uh, He did not forgive me with a microscope and a stopwatch to make sure that I was going to really be faithful for a long period of time and just keep his eye on me. But no, he forgave me with mercy, with grace, and with love. And in that, he also then gave me the power To forgive Ken in the way that he forgave me which now that is how the gospel informs me so that when I have the potential or or want to overcome a hurt or or pain or frustration which is simply the sister sin of anger but sounds a little bit better um, these are the truths that help me uh, Otherwise, if I didn't have that power, I would be left just with my own little puny controls and desires. But instead, I have the power, as John said earlier, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says, to be able to forgive, have the desire to forgive, and forgive in the same
6: way as Christ forgave me.
0: Thank you, Rosemary. Susan, go
3: ahead.
6: Um, understand that, that stress, whether that comes from work or finances or all of life's stuff, stress can cause a lot of conflict. And it can also cause us to behave in ways maybe that we wouldn't normally behave. Um, and And during a recent uh, time of stress in, in our family, I was seeing uh, John respond in ways that weren't normal to him. Um, things like being short-tempered or frustrated or even depressed. And that caused me then in turn to become frustrated with him that things weren't normal. I wanted life to be just normal. And Rosemary told me last night that normal is not life, normal is a cycle on your washing machine (laughs) and doesn't relate to life. And I learned that when I responded with frustration and disappointment that he was responding the way he was, um, that caused further stress on him and then we were in this, this vicious cycle. When I learned, to set back a little bit, pray for him, encourage support, and, and understand how he was responding. Um, it then in turn caused him to set back, rest, examine things without pressure, and, um, and that stress turned into trust.
0: Susan and I, um, when we were first married, we lived in DeKalb, Illinois, because she was a student at um, Northern Illinois University. And uh, if you know anything about DeKalb, uh, they're known for their corn, a lot of cornfields. And uh, when we would have a disagreement or an argument, conflict, um, my way of dealing with it was to, to not talk to her, but just go for a long walk in a cornfield. <clears throat> and, uh, and, so, uh, and And her way of dealing with it is she wanted to deal with it right away. Um, and I also thought that um, a really good way to handle conflict is just give her the silent treatment. You know, <laughs> isn't that great? And, um, and so it, it just really was a poor way of, um, of dealing with things. And um, we were given a book um, by a guy named Ken Sandy um, years ago. It's it called The Peacemaker. And um, it was just talking about this idea that um, conflict is an opportunity to glorify God. It was like, Wow. I mean, like First Corinthians 10:31 says, "So then whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God." In conflict, I guess, um, I was bummed because conflict is included in the all." Uh, but it, you know, it, it's this idea of, um, in conflict, I can glorify God, and how I respond to Susan in conflict. And, um, and, and it also uh, I was learning that conflict is an opportunity for me to help her. In her growth to become more like Christ and, and vice versa. Um, another area, and in, in I, I was not practicing this before we were married, it's not something that was a part of my life, uh, but I, I learned the importance of um, when I sin against the Lord and I sin against her, um, I needed to, um, to, to reconcile, to make things right. I needed to say, you know, I, I sinned against you. I needed to acknowledge it, and I needed, I, th- I believe, also to acknowledge that the pain that that caused, and, and I know that I hurt you in this way. Will you please forgive me? And and I think that that's so important for couples, um, you know, as you as you learn and you grow in that, uh, but then it, how that also is passed on to your kids, uh, to let them see resolve and, and to see it done in a way that honors the Lord. Um, and so it's, it's you know, no one's arrived, we haven't arrived, or anything. I'm just saying that what God was teaching us through that, through that process is, is good. Um,
6: and we had to move towards each other in conflict, whereas the natural response um, was for him to move away, and, and then that would make me want to lunge all the more. Uh, so we had to learn, he had to move close, and I had to learn to, to step back a little bit, use a few less words, <laughs> and allow him to, to speak and communicate and share his feelings. So it brought us closer together.
0: Aren't we a mess? Okay, <laughs> amen. All right. Um, <clears throat> we uh, just want to just close with um, just a few things of, of what maybe a few of us want to share about what, how, what we feel how marriage is important. And I'm going to give Suzanne just a minute just to, to share that.
7: Yeah, I just wanted to share, um, just as women, I think um, when we first get married, it's most of us are, are pretty good about putting our husbands first, um, making them the priority until we have kids. Um, and then once we have children, it's so easy to make everything about the children. And I, I've been so guilty of this um, with our four four wonderful children Um, they're just so wonderful that I just want to focus now Um, but it is it's just so easy to um, to put all of our time and our energy and our attention into our kids and then um, Barry would be kind of left with what's left over Um, and I just began to realize that the best thing that I can do for my kids is to let them see me making Barry a priority the best thing that I can do for them is for them to see me honoring him um, and so that's just what I wanted to that's share. That's
0: great. Thank you. Ken or Rosemary. Yep, yeah, go ahead.
7: Yeah, Suzanne, I'm
2: glad you mentioned that because it made me think about something that I heard a long time ago is that God did not make us one with our children, but he did make us one with our husbands and our wives and I think that's a really good uh, capsule for what you just said because I truly believe that. <clears throat> but I do so also believe that marriage is the most important relationship that we have on this earth today, outside of our relationship with Jesus Christ, and with that importance uh, comes the very truth that in uh, in the way that. God helps us to understand this relationship and why we can value it so highly is because it is what he uses in the scripture from Genesis to Revelation to explain his relationship to us as his redeemed family, that we are his bride. And so he lifts that value high and we should too. So therefore, anything that we can possibly do to preserve our marriage, to even including long-suffering, that we do those things, that we work hard and that we're diligent to do something that God has used as a very example of how he is with us. And so then that we lift high what he lifts high, and that brings glory to God.
1: I think, I think the last thing Rosemary said uh, it boils down to God has designed marriage to glorify Him. It's not primary purpose is is not to make us happy. You know, like that's what I thought when I got married was uh, marriage is going to make me happy. Uh, Rosemary is going to do all those things that are that I enjoy, and she's going to make me happy. But that's not what marriage is all about. I think if we go the last, we can close here. We have got a few seconds with um the verse from uh, romans eight twenty-eight, you know everything works out for the good even the marriages for those who love god and are called according to his purpose and of course the purpose is to is to is to become more like christ and if we become more like christ we're going to have successful marriages thank you
0: you know um <clears throat> as we close here i just want to share a quick little story that my uh my older brother gave me a lawnmower years ago and um Uh, I learned that you need to put oil in them Uh, because if you don't, the engine seizes up and it stops. And it happened to me when I was mowing, um, and uh, I just didn't put oil in it. So uh, I want to say as we close that, you know, um, what oil is to an engine, mercy uh, is to a marriage. And it it sweetens marriage as the friction comes and we choose to show mercy by the grace of God. Um, how we can, we can build one another up. It is for our good and for his glory.